The Ambitious Mum Podcast. Different women, different lives, different ambitions. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and every week I'll be having honest conversations about ambition. I, you know, spent 20 years in corporate companies at startups and big Fortune 500 companies, and I love to drink. Motherhood. You are legitimately tired. Your job is hard. You need a break for the kids. And instead of asking for help and using other coping skills, we're getting mollified by wine. And everything in between. We'll explore how their ambitions and careers have evolved while being a parent. And I'll be digging deep, acknowledging the taboos, the sacrifices and the sheer grit and perseverance working mums don't talk about. Quitting drinking when I used to be a big drinker is something I'm really proud of. I'm not ashamed of it at all, but I am really proud to say I used to drink and I don't drink anymore and it's better for me. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Ambitious Mum podcast. This is week two of series two. What a weird old week it's been. The kids have been back to school and I've had a full week of work. It's very exciting. Not getting too excited because I know that other people have got kids being sent home, but I am just kind of being incredibly grateful for every day I get that the kids are in school. And I know that a few people actually, myself included, thought we were going to be like feeling amazing and free. And actually it felt a bit strange, especially if you work from home, which I do. The house felt quite quiet and it felt a bit bizarre that I wasn't up and down, up and down, being interrupted and making snacks and taking iPads away and trying to do all sorts of things to entertain kids. So it was good, definitely good, but also a bit strange be very interested to hear how everyone else's week's been. And what did you think of last week's episode with Joanna Hunter? I had a few really nice messages saying how interesting it was. So thank you for those. And this week's guest is a really interesting lady. And she's based in the States in Seattle. And her name's Casey Maguire Davidson. And she is a certified life and sobriety coach. And that is how she helps women mostly women, I would say, she helps them stop drinking. And she knows all about this from a very personal journey, which she shares on the podcast. It was really brave of her to talk about it. We recorded this back in lockdown. I can't quite remember what month, but I feel like we'd been in it for a while. And we talked about the crutch of reaching for alcohol, reaching for a glass of wine after a difficult day. And Casey goes into a lot more detail about this and about why she had to stop And I think so many of us can resonate with this, that we recognise that perhaps our drinking is out of control. We can see the negative effects it's having on our life, our health, our emotional well-being, our families, relationships, however you want to look at it. And because it was recorded back in lockdown, we really reflected on how big a role alcohol played in um, calming our nerves, calming our anxiety. So it's a really interesting conversation and I hope that lots of you will get a lot out of it. We also lended each other's support on podcasts and I went on Casey's podcast and I talked about the role of EFT and how that can play in helping us reduce cravings. 
And in this instance, I talked about the cravings of reaching for a glass of wine um, as soon as you put the kids to bed, the minute you start cooking. And she was so fascinated by EFT that we went on and had some private EFT sessions together. And I helped her with a few issues that she'd been holding on from childhood. And I know she won't mind me saying this because she um, had no idea about tapping. Because of the podcast that we did together, she was really intrigued. And I'm delighted to say that we had some great results and we managed to clear some of those childhood issues. So like I said, EFT is brilliant for so many different things. And I'm just so glad to have connected with Casey and the fact that we've been able to support each other and go on each other's podcasts. So her podcast is called Hello Someday Coaching. And you'll be able to find my episode on there. She's doing phenomenally well and having some brilliant guests. So even if you just want some support about, you know, reducing your alcohol or becoming sober, um, I would definitely head to her podcast. Casey has got an amazing website called hellosomedaycoaching.com. And like I said, she's based in the States. And I would highly recommend that you check her out. And I'd never heard of a sobriety coach before. I'd obviously heard about going to support groups like the AA, but this is a really sort of more gentle, more therapeutic way of acknowledging maybe why we resort to alcohol, acknowledging why we're using it as a crutch and seeing and and reflecting on new ways that we can, I guess, reward ourselves without using alcohol. So I hope you enjoy this. Here is the episode. And like I said, it is recorded back in lockdown. So excuse lots of the references, but I'm sure you'll be able to take yourselves back to that place quite easily. So here it is. So we have today, I'm really excited about this guest. We have Casey Maguire-Davidson here, and she's here all the way in America, in the States, in Seattle. And it's amazing that we're we're doing this podcast. Casey's um, first thing in the morning and I'm like getting to bedtime and bath time and everything. So we've both kind of managed to, to get some time away and, and do this podcast. So I'm really excited to have you on. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just woken up. I have my coffee, so I'm ready to go. Amazing. So I've done my full day and you've got a whole day ahead of you. <laughs> So Casey is a life and sobriety coach and I first came across Casey I think we were on a podcast platform together we were interacting and since then we've been um, really connecting we've been speaking a lot Um, I went on Casey's podcast um, a few weeks ago and we've been working together as well And I just have been so excited to get her on the podcast because I think she's got so much to say that will resonate with you all out there. She certainly resonates with me and I feel like she can help a lot of people, especially since we are um, three months into lockdown and alcohol has probably been a massive feature for everyone's coping mechanisms. So I'll just go straight in, Casey. Tell me what, what is it that you do? How do you help women? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so you mentioned I'm a life and sobriety coach. And what that means is I work with women who 
want to cut back on their drinking or quit drinking. Most of the women I work with are busy working mothers. They're very successful. They have full lives. They have overwhelming schedules, a ton of responsibility. And in most cases, they come home and maybe drink a bottle of wine a night and wake up the next morning after sleeping terribly. They're tired. They're anxious. They are trying to figure out how to get through the day. They kind of feel like crap. And then 5 p.m., 6 p.m. comes and they can't wait to open that bottle of wine again. So I I resonate with these women because that's who I was too. I, you know, spent 20 years in corporate companies at startups and big Fortune 500 companies. And I love to drink. And what I found was that despite how many rules I put into place about I'm only going to drink three days a week, I'm only going to have two drinks a night, it never worked. I just loved wine, and yet it was really hurting my life when I was able to step away from it. Can you describe how you felt before you stopped drinking, and in what way, how was it hurting your life? Yeah, um, well, I think that it's important to know that no one from the outside really could tell that it was such a big part of my life. I mean, everybody knew I was a red wine girl. Everybody knew that I loved going to happy hours and all my wedding anniversaries. We went to the wine country. But for the longest time, I didn't even think it was that weird to drink the way I drank. I thought everyone opened a bottle of wine when they came home and had a glass while cooking dinner and and making dinner and eating dinner. And what I would do though, is I'd never stopped at two or three. I put the kids to bed and I settled into the couch and, and drank the rest of the bottle. Or, you know, as working moms who are ambitious, I would bring my laptop out again. And I would, I would, um, you know, reply to emails and work on projects with my wine next to me because I was, you know, quote unquote, so busy and I had so much going on and my life was so stressful. What it looked like essentially was like a lot of other women, except I started to say that little and big things were starting to slip. So I was sort of stuck in this groundhog day of waking up, talking crap to myself, saying, what's wrong with me? Why did I drink that much again? I had a headache. My stomach was vaguely queasy. I was sort of defensive when my husband would say, how are you feeling? I'd be like, what? I'm fine. What's your problem? I was sort of working so hard to overcompensate, right? I'd wake up at three in the morning, which if you don't know, is super common for people mm-hmm. who drink a lot. You wake up at three in the morning with just anxiety and panic and you can't go back to sleep. And yet you're terrified. How am I going to make it through the day if I don't sleep? My life is already so busy. My eyes were watery. I would just hate looking in the mirror, putting on my makeup in the morning. I would, you know, quickly try to get my kids up and them in the car. My daughter was in preschool. And I just felt really like I couldn't cope with my life. Yet, despite it all, it looked really good on the outside. I couldn't lose weight. I couldn't stick to my goals. I just kind of, you know, they they say, and it's true, I was kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired. 
And I had tried everything else to, you know, quote unquote, make myself feel better except giving up drinking, right? I'd done yoga and gone on vacations and tried meditation and run a 10K and a triathlon, like anything that gone to therapy, but not talked about my drinking, anything you could do to feel better without actually giving up alcohol, I had tried it. And so, you know, I finally decided I I would just, I, um, I had tried AA briefly. It was sort of like one of those moments where I was like, well, this is a new one. Um, and I, it wasn't for me, although I know it helps tons of women. And I met some wonderful people in there and I have friends in there. Um, but I ended up hiring a sober coach, which is what I do now. And she really provided me the one-on-one support, the accountability, sort of the shining a flashlight into speed bumps and potholes that might be coming up, the resources, and really the habit change and positive mindset that I needed to let go of alcohol. And now quitting drinking when I used to be a big drinker is something I'm really proud of. I'm not ashamed of it at all. You know, it was hard. It's like running a marathon hard, right? People who run marathons put those stickers on the back of their car um, because it's a it's a really big achievement and um, is something that most people will never do in their lives. And I don't have a sticker on my car, but I am really proud to say I used to drink and I don't drink anymore and it's better for me. It's amazing. It's, I think there's this awareness, isn't there, that we, we do drink. We drink, drink to numb. We drink to go to sleep, to, to get over a stressful day. You know, we can use so many different examples of why we need that drink in the evening. And to make that distinguishment between, I guess, reliance on alcohol and just wanting, you know, a nice glass of wine, it, it's quite big. I know plenty of people that can have a glass of wine and then, you know, I, I guess that's me. I can have a glass of wine and I don't need to drink anymore. I know other people that can't have a glass of wine without finishing the bottle. I know other people that wouldn't touch a drop of wine during the week, but, you know, over the weekend, they'll completely binge drink. And these are middle-class parents that have got different patterns of drinking that would never consider themselves to have an alcohol problem. It just wouldn't. However, when you're saying waking up at three o'clock in the morning, feeling this, feeling rubbish the next day, having, you know... um, feeling a bit sick, having watery eyes, not losing weight. There's so many different things that we, we can actually be like, oh, that, that might be me. How would you go about helping somebody who is not ready to accept that they have a problem, but are recognizing that they want to maybe reduce their drinking or stop drinking? I mean, you said you went to AA and it wasn't for you. Were you ready for AA or did you just, were you just kind of like, no, that's not for me? I don't think I was ready for AA. And I think that, um, I think it was an important step because the, just the fact that you walk in that door is just such something that you never really feel like you're ever going to do. And the only way I got through it was someone invited me who was a really cool, awesome, fun woman who was my age and a lawyer and she's just such a light and she was like I go to this you're gonna love it and I was just like okay that's one for the bucket list you know <laughs> like I was like well what the hell but um I think AA is a non-starter for a lot of women I think it saves a lot of lives but I think you know the idea that it is AA or nothing keeps a lot of women drinking longer than they need to because they feel they're asking themselves themselves 
am I an alcoholic? Am I bad enough to quit? Yeah. And it's the wrong question. It doesn't matter if you ever say you're an alcoholic to decide that you, the drinking is no longer working for you. The better question is, is this good enough to keep going? And if the way you're feeling right now, which is how I felt, which was sad and stuck and disappointed in myself and hungover and anxious, and I'm drinking a lot and you're having you know, you tell yourself you're not going to drink tonight and then you're running out after work to get a bottle of wine because you're worried that you don't have enough. You know, the idea, a lot of women are like, ooh, I don't have enough alcohol. I don't have enough wine in my house for the week, for the weekend. That's kind of a sign that you're, it's really important to you. And the good news is that you in no way have to ever say you're an alcoholic. You don't even have to think it. You don't have to decide that you're never going to drink again. But the way I work with women is to stop drinking for 100 days, which I know sounds big. But if you're worried about your alcohol consumption, take a break and get support to do so and, and do the work to kind of experiment and decondition your mind about what alcohol brings to your life versus it what it doesn't. Um, I told myself when I quit, I had no idea it was going to be my last time drinking. I just knew I felt like crap and I didn't want to feel that way anymore, that I wanted to see how good I could feel with 100 days without drinking. Now, other than my pregnancies, I had never, ever since college gone, I mean, I don't know, maybe two weeks without drinking. Maybe when I was trying to run a 10K or doing a triathlon or trying to lose weight after the baby, but it was it was really white knuckling it. So 100 days seemed impossible. But if you work with a coach or if you tap into resources, and there are so many, um, it isn't as hard as you think. And you sort of realize that, oh my God, after nine days, I'm sleeping so much better and I have so much more energy and I'm calmer. You know, the first two weeks, you're going to be super irritable and annoyed and it's <laughs> going to be difficult, but you start to develop, you know, you mentioned, Kate, alcohol is a coping tool. We think we need it to celebrate, to get rid of our frustrations, to get over boredom, to tolerate yet another game of, of you know, Barbies with our daughter. Um, you just need other coping skills that won't leave you dehydrated with a headache, gaining weight, anxiety. So if you're asking like if someone is thinking that they want to take a break from drinking and have tried before and not been successful, there is so much help out there from really cool modern women who have decided that drinking isn't working for them and they are telling their stories on Instagram. There are so much many books that I absolutely yeah. love. We call them Quitlet. And um, they're podcasts. I have a podcast called the Hello Someday podcast for busy, successful women who want to drink less and live more, where I bring on you know people like you to talk about um, the emotional freedom technique, to talk about tapping. We have other episodes on people pleasing and boundaries. We have episodes on a roadmap to get through your first week without alcohol and mistakes most women make, mindset mistakes when they're thinking about not drinking. So 
go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, when you're saying all that, it's so interconnected, so many different things. It's not just that, oh, I really feel like a cold glass of wine. I'm going to have one. It is like you say, the the people pleasing, the the deep mindset stuff, the emotional side of of why that is our go-to and why that is the one thing that we find so difficult to remove from our lives and thinking that it's irreplaceable. And I think what's so powerful about what you do is that you're showing women that it is indeed replaceable, giving them lots of different techniques and ideas to, I guess, broaden their horizons, make themselves feel happier and healthier without the use of alcohol. But what I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, like what my, my listeners might be asking and going back to sort of the social side of at the moment, obviously no one's socializing, no one's really going out and and going to the bars and and the restaurants. But, you know, when we've got young kids and we're working hard and we're not able to go off gallivanting to, to pubs and bars and clubs like we were when we were growing, you know, teenagers and whatever. It's when we do go out, it's a big deal. It's a, you know, it's a celebration. Yeah. We have, um, you know, we have a date night with our husbands. Uh, we go out with the girls and it is our release. And, and I'm thinking for myself that it's busy. Life is really full on with kids and you don't get any headspace. And when you manage to get out of the house and one day we will get out of the houses and go to restaurants again, and we will socialize with our friends. How can we reframe that and not feel like the odd one out? And how can we go out? And I've got friends who just don't drink. There's, there's no issue. They don't enjoy drinking. They always drive. They're happy. They'll have half a glass of wine and not even finish that. And, and they're so comfortable with that. Whereas if I go out, I really like a couple of glasses of red wine. And I feel like my evening isn't complete if I've not had a glass or two of red wine. But that's it. You know, I'm, I'm happy with that. And you're saying to, to women that if they want to reduce the alcohol, they have to stop drinking completely. Is that non-negotiable? I would say no. And I would say that anyone who suspects that drinking is really important in their lives and that the negative parts of it are outweighing the positives, looking at your alcohol consumption and whether it's really working for you is a perfect first step, right? And you may decide, yep, it's working for me, right? I think that if you have a whisper that it might be an issue. It's a great idea to try to cut back or drink less or try nights or weeks without drinking or only when you drink when you're out. The Where you get into trouble or what I've learned is that it's easier not to drink than to try to moderate if mm. you are a big drinker like I was. So anyone who decides to take an extended period of time without alcohol when when you are a drinker. And I was a self-identified red wine girl. Like that was part of my persona and my identity and what I thought about myself and how I was fun, which is why it was so hard to let it go because I felt like I was losing a part of myself. Did you find that you, your friends tried to stop you from you know, from that, did were they worried that they were going to lose the cases that they knew and loved, or were they really supportive? Um, both, right? And and I think the problem is that when you actually, 
if someone ever says to you, like I said to my friends occasionally, let's be clear, when I was drinking, do you think I drink too much? Do you think I have a problem with alcohol? Do you think I should quit? They always said no. They always said, oh, no, you're fine. You just like to go out. Like, you're so fun. Don't worry about it. We all drink this way. I think that is two issues. One, they all were big drinkers too, or most of them. We always went out to drinks together. When you're a big drinker, you surround yourselves with other drinkers. The other thing is they're like, well, just cut back. And the same idea of moderating, it's anyone who comes to decide to take a break from alcohol or is worried about their drinking, it's not that they have not tried to cut back. They have been trying to drink less or less often to moderate, to control it for likely years. I mean, I spent years saying, okay, I'm only going to drink when I'm out. So I would go out three times a week with my husband, even my son who was five to places that served alcohol, right? Because, hey, I don't feel like cooking dinner. And by the way, they serve wine here. And I made this rule that I can only drink when I'm out. Or I'm only going to drink when I'm home so I don't have to drive. Well, then I just drank when I was home. Or I would say, I'm only going to have two drinks. That never worked. I'm only going to drink three times a week. I did that, but it was really hard. So yes, you can try to drink less. The only thing I want to say is it's actually easier to not drink. And I know you don't believe me. It's easier not to drink for a period of time than to try to moderate because alcohol is addictive you do go through withdrawal. There are physical effects from withdrawing from alcohol, just like there is with cigarettes, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly the same way. So when you drink and then you try to go three days without drinking or four days or five days, and then you drink again, you are doing the absolute worst three to five days over and over and over again. You are going through withdrawal. You're getting the hit. You're going through withdrawal. You're getting the hit. And if you were to break through to day eight, to day nine, to day 14, my God, you would feel so much better and the desire to drink would decrease every single day. Wow. When you put it like that, it does, it's, you know, it's, it sounds like it's, it's a no brainer. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review or a rating to help us reach even more ambitious mums and get the content out there. Thanks so much. I just wanted to interrupt this episode to let you know a little bit about my new workshop series, Forgiveness for You. I'm really excited to bring this out there. I've been working on it for a really long time and it feels like the right time. I am going to be bringing you a three-week workshop series combining coaching, my emotional freedom technique and different elements of spirituality. I'll be bringing in meditations, affirmations. We'll be talking through the process of forgiveness and self-forgiveness and recognising all the different factors that come into allowing more forgiveness into our lives. Sometimes we can live with a burden or a weight of um, emotions that have been with us for so long and actually that's not serving us anymore. And we may not even realise this until we are more conscious or we're aware that forgiveness needs to be more present. And actually we can start noticing that the unforgiveness is making us sick, it's making us depressed, it's having an impact on our physical and emotional health. 
So if this is you, or you might know somebody that needs to bring forgiveness into their lives, that they've been bearing this weight for so long that they need or you need to be released. You need to be released from this um, mentality of resentment. Perhaps it's victimhood, perhaps it's judgment or blame resentment, whatever that, however that looks for you. I would love you to come on board. I'm trying to make this as accessible as possible. And it's going to be an hour and a half for once a week. And on a Sunday, I'm going to sort of jump on a Facebook group and we're going to talk about all the things that we've learned that week and try and implement as much as possible. So I want to make this as practical and as accessible and as helpful as possible because we shouldn't be living with resentment. We often think that many people don't deserve our forgiveness, but actually we're the ones that deserve the forgiveness. It's an emotional gift for ourselves. It's something that we can choose whether to bring into our lives or not. And once you have, you realise how much freer, how much more peaceful that you are. Please go onto my website. You'll be able to either see all the details on my website, which is www.coachingbykate.me.uk or go and have a look on the, on the show notes and you'll be able to see all the information on there. So again, my website is www.coachingbykate.me.uk. And if you have any queries or you just want to have a chat through it or chat through how I use the different modalities to to bring this forgiveness package together, I'd love to hear from you. Just drop me a DM, send me a message and I um, would love to be able to help you. Thanks so much and enjoy the rest of the episode. Going back to who you work work with, your your audience, because Obviously, like you say, you know, AA helps a a huge amount of people. It has, for me, I sort of think about like a church hall. I think about maybe like men, older men. Yes. um, You know, maybe, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking because I've not had that experience. I've not done it. I've not been through it. I don't know that many people that have. But from what I have seen in, in TV and whatever, that's kind of what I'm picturing. So you are... Um, working with ambitious career women, mostly mothers or not? Mostly mothers. Yeah. Um, And their children may be two and three, their children may be 12 and 16, or their children may be in college or out of the house. Um, Most of the women I work with have full-time jobs, make their own money, um, are successful in everything they've ever done in life. And yet they can't figure out why they're unable to not drink. And yet they love drinking. And what I want to do with women is to help them change their worst case scenario, which is giving up alcohol to become the best decision they've ever made in their life. And I know women who love to drink who are listening to this don't believe me. I didn't believe me when I was drinking, but it is true. Not drinking is the foundation of everything I want to achieve in life because when I was drinking, I was stuck. My life was small. You know, Mm. I had my drinking highlights, which was me in Italy with a carafe of wine and my husband in the sunshine and no kids. My drinking lowlights were me on the couch with a bottle of wine quote unquote, falling asleep while watching a show that I didn't remember the end of, my husband not being able to wake me up because I was passed out, coming up to my 
bedroom at 2 a.m. and having to quietly open the door, waking up at four with anxiety and going back out to the office the next day, doing it all again. That was my lowlights. And they were way more common than me sitting at a wine bar with six girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because you say that it's that kind of like the whole sex in the city kind of like cocktails in New York and we kind of paint this exciting, vibrant picture. And then you, you know, you say about your lowlights and that also if so many people can resonate with that. And that's when you kind of think, you know, damn, that, that's, that's not a good way to live. And, and no one wants to live in this perpetual cycle of maybe having one hour of feeling good you know, when you pour that first glass of wine, maybe, you know, that first hour and then the rest is, is rubbish and you wake up the next morning and you, you know, you've got to go through that all again and put on a mask. And you were saying that these, you know, especially you, when you were talking about your story, no one else knew what you were going through. So you were working in a big corporate job. You were successful from the outside. People thought you had everything together. You, you know, you had kids and, I mean, would it be fair to say that there's a lot of women out there that are masking these kind of issues that we wouldn't have a clue about? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are literally thousands and thousands of women out there who are successful, smart, you know, went to college, went to grad school, have big jobs, have lovely spouses, lovely kids, tons of friends, go on vacations, and if you could see inside their head and the amount of inner critic talk and just berating yourself and drinking and recovering from drinking and telling themselves that they need to drink because their life is stressful, because they don't get to go to yoga, because they're so busy, because their boss is tough. I mean, it's really common. And there is nothing wrong with you if you're in that place. There really isn't. I don't, I don't call myself an alcoholic. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. I don't think I'm a bad person. I'm a really good person who became dependent on alcohol because that's what it's designed to do. It's addictive. And I truly believe that anyone with enough sustained exposure to an addictive substance is going to consume more, is going to become dependent on it, whether it's just habitually, psychologically, or physically. And it's a hard habit to break. And when you think about smoking, which I think about a lot, because here in the United States, it's sort of taboo in most cases, um, where people are like, oh my God, you smoke? That's terrible for you. Why would you do that? Or a lot of people only smoke when they drink. Mm -hmm. um, if you were in high school, you started smoking and then you became addicted to it and you got up to half a pack a day or a pack a day. I was never a huge smoker, but I know people who were. And then you quit. Nobody would say, oh, come on, you can have just one cigarette. Or what, did you really have a problem? Why did you mm. quit? What happened? They, you know, or what's wrong with you that you would become addicted to cigarettes? Everyone's like, oh God, good for you. Thank God you quit. You are strong. And yeah, smoking is terrible for you. And of course it's addictive. Everybody knows that. You don't sit there and say, oh my God, you're a nicotine 
a holic for X number of years, you know, you haven't had a smoke in five years and yet you're labeled for the rest of your life and you need to go to a church basement and talk about your bottom and how you have a moral disease and you're powerless over smoking. No, you're just healthy. Way to go. High five. You're awesome. Mm. And that's how I feel about quitting drinking. It's removing that stigma, isn't it? It's removing the taboo. And I know we've discussed this before that there, there is a similar drinking culture, you know, especially here in the UK. It, it's a massive culture. And, you know, I've read um, lots of articles of, of women who have just made that decision that they don't want to drink anymore. Nothing big happened, no big, huge, you know, existential crisis. They just decided one day drinking's not working for me. I'm going to stop. And they said that, you know, the backlash that they got from friends and the coercing and the, come on, you can have one glass and, you know, come, you know, we're going to have fun. We're going away for the weekend. Like all these different things that, you know, there's a lot of peer pressure out there at the beginning of, of lockdown. It was, you know, oh my God, how are we going to get through this? And it was a continual WhatsApp messages and Facebook posts of, of a glass of wine or someone, you know, with a glass of gin going, this is the only thing that's got me through the memes and the wall posters and everything that, you know, connects back to alcohol and surviving motherhood. It's like a running joke that, you know, you need to be drinking gin to get through the day, you know, with young kids. Yes, it can be funny if, it, if it, you're in control of it. You know, yes, it can be funny if, um, if it's not something that is ruining your life. But you've got the internal pressures of quitting drinking, but you've also got that stigma culturally from your family and your friends that you've got to be proving as well. And I, and I think that must be very difficult. Um, and I can only assume that you are, you've got lots of things going on inside your head. And then you have a friend who's really insensitive that says, come on, just have a glass of wine. That's where it's really helpful to realize you're not alone, to have a coach. I mean, the women I work with, I encourage them to text me and email me every day because each day you go through, I call them just navigating speed bumps and potholes along the way. And a speed bump can be your friend posting a meme or sending you a WhatsApp message with a glass of gin and being like, it's sippy time. Mm. Or you saying to someone that you've just had a truly crap day with your kids and your spouse is not supportive and your dishwasher broke and they're like, oh dude, you need a glass of wine. You know, go, you know, go buy yourself a bottle. You deserve it. It is this constant self-reinforcing feedback loop that the solution for women to anything you are feeling, good, bad, or indifferent, is to drink. And the real challenge with that is that when you are trying to not drink, you are surrounded by messages 24-7 that drinking is a good idea, mm. that it will help you with your problems. And if you somehow can't handle that, there's something wrong with you. There's not something wrong with this addictive substance that all of society is bought into. So I have a guide on my website called the Sober Girl's Guide to Quitting Drinking. It's 30 tips for your first 30 days. You can get it at hellosomedaycoaching.com. And the reason I mention it is because in there, I share all my best tips that I work through with my cl private clients on your mindset shifts, but also information on just incredible private Facebook groups that are completely secret with 
professional women moms out there who are not hitting bottom, but are also struggling with this, to know that you're not alone, that will cheer you on when you hit day seven and day 14 and realize you deserve a damn parade for going to a work happy hour and not drinking alcohol and encourage you to find other ways to reward yourself. And Kate, one of the reasons I loved having you on my podcast, and I have to say um, to all your listeners, I actually was so intrigued by tapping and Kate's energy and, and passion for the subject. I've done three sessions with Kate on tapping and I love it. She's recorded a video for me that I do in the morning. It's it. I am not a big sit quietly and meditate girl. I just can't. I'm not wired that way. So tapping to me feels like meditation. Um, And, you know, I do feel lighter afterwards. But I like to tell women, think about what do you call it in the UK? Here, it's called a pacifier. You have a baby, they start crying. A dummy. You shove the dummy in their mouth or you place it nicely if you're a calm mother, not like me. Um, Your baby is screaming in a store. Your baby is fussing. Uh, She's hungry. She's tired. She's pissed off. She doesn't want to do what you want her to do, right? You're like, here, have your dummy. Wine has become to women like a dummy Mm -hmm. and we do it to ourselves and other people tell us to do it to ourselves. So you are legitimately tired frustrated you need help you need to relax your job is hard you need a break for the kids and instead of asking for help and using other coping skills we hit ourselves over the head with a bottle of wine to numb out and it's like shoving a dummy in our mouth so we won't get too demanding so we won't ask more for ourselves we're getting mollified by wine because it's easier. And you'll see other people do it too. Like there's this meme I hate and love because it's so accurate. It's called the husband's guide to talking to your wife. And it has things that are extremely dangerous, dangerous, medium, safe, extremely safe. And it goes from, wow, what happened to you today? To honey, how was your day? And in every case, the extremely safe thing is here, have a glass of wine. And that's such an illustration of what the world's saying to us and what we're saying to ourselves. You're feeling um, irritated, angry. Don't say it. Here, have a glass of wine. Just going back to what you were saying then about kind of going back to the friends and you being that support system. Like even if they don't know it themselves, they're projecting. You know, you said you you hung out with a, a crowd of people that were big drinkers and that's quite a typical thing because they are projecting probably their own fears and, and worries about their own drinking, but they're not ready to admit it. They're not ready to, you know, seek help. And you were already sort of maybe on the next level, you know, already being aware, you know, asking. And, um, and then that's quite worrying friends as well, because you're, you're kind of like, you know, sparking that antenna system of, oh, actually, if she's got a problem and we drink together, that means I've got a problem. That means I've got to, you know, do something about it and very often they don't want to be in that awareness zone yet they're not ready so you come in as their kind of ultimate cheerleader I guess yeah holding their hands guiding them you know you you can be texted emailed called whatever that you know service you offer 
and they take away that need to use their friends who may want to pull them back into the the drinking zone um i think that's so powerful because i've never i mean i've been coaching for a while i I, i'm a well-being coach i use eft all the time i obviously advocate healthy living i want to help as many people feel healthier and happier in whatever capacity that is and very often that is me sort of saying, you know, have a look at your drinking, what, what's going on there. But it's not something I specifically focus on. I kind of like look at the sort of the lifestyle and then we, we kind of go into the mindset stuff um, and the emotional side. And that's where, you know, I really love getting to the root of the problem, which is why I love the EFT. But I think it's so powerful to know that there's options out there like yourself that is available to people who, who are ready to, to make that change so i know you mentioned that there's the document on your website the the guide if you could pull out three tips now just for the listeners of your like badass tips to to really what would they be i would say the first thing to ask yourself is don't ask yourself if you're bad enough to quit ask yourself if this is good enough to keep going? Because that's really the question. And if you think, you know what, this isn't making me feel good 90% of the time. I mean, I used to say that I would drink for about three hours a night and it would be say six to nine or seven to 10 PM. And it would make the other 21 hours of my life every single day worse. I would be waking up in the middle of the night. I would be hungover. I would be foggy on what I said or did at the end of the night. I was dragging the next day. So to me, are those three hours good enough to keep going the way you're going? And if not, give yourself the opportunity to see how good you can feel without alcohol. And also know that this is a habit change and a mindset change. So you have been conditioned for decades to think that drinking is good, it's sophisticated, it's glamorous, it's a rite of passage, it's something that you deserve and are entitled to as an adult. And it, know that, that it's not just um, not drinking, it's everything else that comes with it. And I feel like not drinking should be one of the kindest things you ever do for yourself. So I am a big advocate of sober treats. Mm -hmm. When you stop drinking, you need to give yourself a treat every day for being sober, for not drinking. And that idea is it can be flowers, it can be a pedicure, it can be a nap, it can be time alone to read or sit in the sunshine, it can be a babysitter, so you can go for a walk by yourself. But the idea is right now, alcohol is your treat. It is your reward. And you don't want not drinking to feel like deprivation. You want it to feel like you are finally actually taking care of yourself, maybe for the first time as an adult, instead of knocking yourself unconscious to make it go away. And acts of self-care. 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 It could be uh, tapping. Mm -hmm. It could be literally anything. And so the other thing I would say is when you are starting out, get support. And it doesn't have to be a sober coach. It can be books. It can be podcasts. 
it can be um, the secret Facebook private groups because you're not alone in this. You're not weird. You're not uniquely damaged. Your life is not going to be over. And knowing that there are other cool, powerful, awesome women who used to love us drinking as much as you did, who've stopped and can give you suggestions and can tell you that it really, truly gets better. And you don't have to sit in a church basement and say that you have a moral character defect. You don't. Your life can be more energized, more full. You can have more travel. You can remember more. You can go running instead of dragging. Everything that you envision for the person you want to be, once you stop basically walking around with a ball and chain around your ankle, it can be yours. So first thing, ask yourself, is this good enough to keep going? Two, get yourself lots of sober treats. Three, find support and people who get it. Those are my three tips. Love them. That's, it's honestly, it's so powerful. And I really hope that this episode helps a lot of people because that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast. I think we are navigating and battling so many different things at the moment before, you know, COVID-19 and especially now as, as parents afterwards. And, and I guess what's, what's ahead, the next chapter ahead. And I, I think that if we can do the most that we can do to help ourselves feel better emotionally and physically to be the best parents, friends, partners that we can, then um, I think this is, this has been amazing. Just remind everybody where they can find you if they need more information or they want to get in touch with you. And I presume you work internationally now that everyone works internationally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have clients, first of all, all over the United States, but also in Ireland and Canada and Australia. So, you know, almost all my clients, I do it over the phone, but, you know, for internationally, we do WhatsApp um, and also over Zoom, which we're doing right now, and Skype. So it's pretty easy. You can come to my website. It's the best place to find everything there. It's hello someday coaching.com. I, you know, you can sign up for the free Sober Girl's Guide to Quitting Drinking. It is 30 tips to help get you through your first 30 days. Tons of resources in there. My podcast, you can find at that link, it, which Kate was on, and uh, which was an amazing episode. Um, but that is the Hello Someday podcast. And, you know, just reach out if you're wondering. I mean, it doesn't mean that you need to quit now. It doesn't mean that you need to quit forever. But it is helpful to take a look as to whether drinking is working for you. Fantastic. And I will make sure I put all that information on the show notes as well. So everyone will have it. Casey, thank you so much. You can go and have a lovely full day. I'm going to go see what kind of nightmares happening downstairs with the the kids. I can can hear background noise uh, most of the time, but hopefully that, um, that won't come up on the podcast. Thank you so much. And it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Casey. So that is this week's episode done. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'd love to know if some of the insights resonated with you or if there were some takeaways that you're possibly able to apply to your life. I would really love to hear your feedback and perspective on today's conversation as well. 
perhaps we talked about a topic that sparks something within you or you have something to offer to the other listeners. Either way, I would love to hear from you. In order to help grow the Ambitious Mum community and allow the podcast to be heard by other people, please do rate, subscribe and share it across your social networks. This will really help with the visibility of a new podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Coaching by Kate and do use the hashtag the Ambitious Mum Podcast so I can find your comments easily. So please do get in touch if you have any more to say. I'll also provide all links to my guests and my contact details on the Ambitious Mum show notes too. See you next week. Thank you.